This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It is that time. It's NBA Draft Week, ladies and gentlemen. I am excited. This is basically the biggest holiday of the year for NBA fans, at least for, for us, David Wiener and myself. I am joined by David Wiener, my co-host. Um, really doesn't need an introduction. You know him as Bema Thug on Clutch Fans and on Twitter. David, thanks for being here with me. There's a lot to discuss. Yes, thank you for that unneeded introduction, Dave. Yeah, it, it definitely was unneeded. Not quite as glowing as past introductions, for sure. Um, you know, uh, so we have a lot going on. First of all, let's go through the Christian Wood trade. Um, kind of threw us all a little bit off guard, although I, I think most of us did expect it, you know, maybe on draft night or, or later in the summer. The Rockets trade Christian Wood to the Dallas Mavericks for four expiring contracts, Boban Mar- uh, Marjanovic, uh, Marquise Chris, former Rocket, former Rocket Sterling Brown, and Trey Burke. Um, but most importantly, they get the 26th pick as far as the asset they get back. Uh, there's a good chance at least three of, of the four guys they got are going to be moved or maybe traded, maybe uh, waived, um, and possibly Boban stays. But the Rockets move Christian Wood and add a third pick to their uh, you know, stash going into this 2022 NBA draft on Thursday. Yep. No, it was a really interesting trade. Um, I know, Dave, you had a really nice article that you just put out on Clutch Fans, kind of giving your thoughts on the trade. And I encourage people to uh, to read the article. And Dave did not ask me to You're say that. Say, so. that is a, that's a, I'm supposed to be plugging myself, right? That's but that, Thank you. No, that's, that's, that's all right. That's what you got me for. <laughs> no. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but uh, I encourage people to read that because I, I agree uh, with almost everything in the article. Um, almost, huh? Yeah, almost everything. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to like, you know, scale it back one hundred percent. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. But yeah, you know, I found a really interesting the one one tidbit that you found in putting together your piece was that apparently, and I don't want to steal your thunder on this, but apparently that the Rockets had been looking at Christian Wood trades for about a year now, and this is the first offer. Dave, that only include the the first offer to include a first round pick, is that right? Yeah, and it's, that's a that's a huge shock to me. I mean, in one on one hand, it was encouraging to me that the Rockets were shopping Christian Wood because, I mean, we've talked about this, David. You know, off podcast, on podcast, it was it was frustrating that the Rockets were kind of going with a guy that it didn't look like he was part of the future, and he's taking up a, a big part of your scoring, and and if he's not going to be part of your future, you should be flipping him. To know that the Rockets have been trying to move him and looking to move him for the past year, um, and yes, this was the first offer in the entire year that had a first-round pick. I mean, that's as I was told. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody offered a first and the Rockets were taking back a bad contract, but it certainly was the first one that, that worked for their needs. So 
Um, yeah, I think it was an underwhelming return to get the 26th pick, but I think, you know, you look at it right now on paper and it's, it's a good move for the Rockets. I mean, to add a, a first round pick, even a late first round pick for a guy who's really not part of your team, you don't want taking up a, a bulk of the volume or usage uh, going into this next season. I just think it's a win-win here. Yeah, agreed. I think, you know, and, and, and I, I hate overusing the phrase addition by subtraction because I do I do want to take a second and say that while his attitude is not sterling, no pun intended with the trade <laughs> return, um, you know, Christian Wood came in to be a rolling – finishing big man with a team featuring James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And just like with Steven Silas, he comes in and then boom, the, the team explodes there. Uh, and there's the direction of the franchise complete is completely altered in the first year of his three year deal. I uh, don't think this is what he signed up for. And then when he saw that this was basically the worst team in the league, you know, as a lot of young men are going to do, especially people with a lot of natural talent, they're going to go and get their numbers. And I think that's kind of what Christian Wood's attitude has been is go out, get my numbers. He's clearly one of the most talented players on this roster. Um, and so he never fit with the timeline, even though I, I do recognize there's a lot more tread on the tire there with him having not played uh, as many NBA games as your average 27 year old. But, um, yeah, I, I think as we saw the last seven games of this, of this past season, we, we want to play the, the young guys. And I think he was going to be in the way of that. And, you know, if I'm Rafael Stone and I've been trying a year to trade this guy and this is the first real offer with a first round pick, I don't think I'd want to go into the season further hamper the development of all the young guys only to hope you're getting a first round pick at the trade deadline when, you know, maybe you're only getting a second round pick. Uh, if, if that, maybe you just have to, you know, get some minimal asset form at the trade deadline. Here you take the bird in the hand and uh, agreed it was underwhelming. I was a little disappointed that they didn't get more, but given the context and every, you know, the, where we are as a franchise right now, it, it, it made sense. Right. Uh, that's how I feel as well. I mean, it just, he's not, he shouldn't play. I mean, we look at the final seven games of the year. Granted, that was, you know, the final stretch. There was nothing really to play for other than some development. And, you know, he, the Rockets were much more exciting. I mean, the fans were more engaged watching KPJ and Shangoon and, uh, you know, Jalen Green get the bulk of the time and the shots. And I think, People are going to be more drawn to the Rockets, uh, you know, fans here in Houston, without Christian Wood. Not not intended to be a knock on him. I just think people are more excited about the future. There's really not much of a, an immediate present, and the Rockets are also about to add a, a big man, right? I mean, right, exactly. They're they're. I'd be shocked if they don't come away with a big man in with their third pick. Plus. They had a guy in Usman Garuba who, unfortunately, due to a combination of injury and lack of lack of opportunity, barely played last season. And I, you know, if I'm the Rockets, I want to see what Usman Garuba can do out there. Yeah, you know, as far as Wood on Dallas, I, I do think there's, you know, we'll see how he plays as far as a complementary role. I think Luca can certainly unlock him on pick and rolls for sure. We saw some some positive things with Harden in a, in a brief tenure, although Harden certainly didn't feel like, 
you know, convinced that this was a team that that could do damage, you know, uh, necessarily when he, if he had stayed in Houston. But I think that they'll be able, to, they'll get some good offense out of him for sure. Him playing with Luca, I do think though they might run into more problems than is believed. I know the sort of big picture is the the Mavericks just robbed the Rockets. I don't, I really don't see that at all. I just feel like this, so much of their identity was defense and Luca making things happen for shooters and and driving that. Christian Wood may surprise us and, and, and play well in a team's structure and system like that, but he also might be a guy where they're just like, hey, we can't play Christian Wood in, in the second round of a playoff series um, You know, when we need a big stop or, or something along those lines. They may find that it, it disrupts what they have used to be as successful as they were this season. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, and, and I did consult with uh... – uh, my resident Mavericks expert, Stacy Weiner. Okay, um, is she related to her? And got her thoughts on the trade. <laughs> um, I think she, as most Mavericks fans realize that, you know, there are some that are kind of blind to, to Christian Woods' warts and think this is just the greatest trade in the history of basketball. But the more realistic Mavericks fans that kind of know the, you know, they they, they have the file on Christian Wood. I think they realize even with the warts and all, he's going to be a big, uh, a big boost to their lineup. Um, I think that, uh, Dwight Powell, when he's not playing against the Rockets was a, a big disappointment, um, in the playoffs. He, I, while he hustles out there and that's something we don't, can't necessarily say for Christian Wood, he's not a very net positive defender. And I think Wood is your Dwight Powell upgrade. And the Mavs are lucky, and I'm, I think they have him one more year, but they'll probably bring back. Is, uh, Maxi Kleba is a really good defensive player, and I think just like with Powell in the playoffs, they would quickly go to Kleba, who was both able to defend better and stretch the floor. And I think on the stretching the floor part, Wood's going to be a lot better than Kleba. Um, and when they go to that five out where Luka's – you know, uh, taking people off the dribble up at the top, kind of like Harden and just finding the open man. I think Wood's going to get a lot of open looks from three. And, um, you know, he, he was a really good percentage shooter this past season. I think he's going to fit in wonderfully. There, there's going to be those games when he's not giving it on defense and Jason Kidd's going to have to bench him, but you know, he's playing, he'll be playing for a real winner in Dallas next year. And, uh, you know, good for him. He's not really played on a lot of winning teams. Um, so that, you know, it'll be a good experience for him. Hopefully he adjusts to the culture there. And, um, and I, I wish him nothing but the best. He, he came in and played well. I think the overall, you know, transactional Christian Wood experience was relatively positive. Good contract, decent sign and trade, got us a first round pick in return and uh, put up numbers while he was here. So I, I can't complain too much about Wood, but. You know, it's time to move on. Yeah, you make some good points for sure. You know, I, I think w- when it comes to Christian Wood, the writing was on the wall. Uh, you know, no pun intended, right? Since we're going to go with the Sterling thing. Um, <laughs> you know, that once they had that incident, right, with with Denver, you know, or excuse me, home game against Denver, the halftime deal where, you know, he had had that little issue. They were they were you know, sort of suspending him or, or disciplining him, and he didn't respond well to that. And then, of course, same time, KPJ had the halftime incident where he basically just bailed on the team, right? Christian Wood was still there. Um, I know for sure the Rockets were like, 
they were concerned about KPJ, but they understood more. But in Christian Wood's case, he was supposed to be the veteran. He was supposed to be the guy who was more of the leader. And they were extremely disappointed. Uh, I think when they came back to that, it was more like they could forgive KPJ, but, but Christian Wood was, it, it was, if you will, the bigger sin out of the two. Um, you know, and I think that team culture has been sort of a, a buzz phrase about the Rockets lately. We've seen some media guys say the Rockets have a bad team culture. And, you know, there's some buzz about that between agents and things of that nature. And that I think that hurts the Rockets because they do think Christian Wood contributed to that. He was prone to some poutiness. His numbers were important. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen him say some quotes flat out. He, he has talked at times like he considers himself to be an all-star. And in, in a lot of ways, that's good in any player to be confident in themselves. But, you know, there's there's possibly some just conflict there or just it doesn't quite fit here for what the Rockets are trying to accomplish. So we'll see. Like I said, I wish him well, too. I, I don't like despise Christian Wood, but I think it's somewhat telling that Rocket players didn't come out and say, man, we're going to miss you, Christian. Good luck in Dallas. I didn't see any of that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the the silence is thundering, I guess. Um, but, you know, we, we talk about culture and I you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up you know, one of my favorite aspects of this trade and the least favorite aspect for Stacy uh, is that the Rockets are getting Boban. And while I don't expect him to contribute a lot on the court, I think he gives you an element you didn't have before. I mean, the, the, he's probably the, the largest player in the NBA. I mean, 7'4", and he's big. Yeah. Um, in, and he's going to be a huge supporter of Jalen Green, right? Yeah. Oh, no, that, that, that's exactly what I'm saying, that as a teammate – I cannot think of a better teammate in the NBA than Boban Marjanovic. He is a culture changer as far as just keeping it light in the locker room, getting everyone on the same page, just the friendliest, loveliest person in the NBA. And I really hope the Rockets hold on to him. If if they need him to make a trade, uh, to, to make salaries match, and it's a good trade, you know, so be it just like the Mavericks. The Mavericks did not want to lose Boban. They did not, but they needed his salary to make this trade work. I hope that he is sitting on the Rockets bench every game, keeping it light, keeping it loose, and really helping that locker room because I love that guy, and I'm so <laughs> happy he's on the team now. Yes, that's actually very encouraging. That's, I think that's the kind of vet you'd like to have too, you know, somebody who's – been around, knows you know how the league works, and also like you said, keeps it light and and fun. I think the Rockets were, um, you know, I mean Jake Fisher, right? Who's I, I think is fantastic. This is no knock on Jake. Jake has been really good. He's up and coming as far as um, you know being an insider, getting up there with Woj and and, and Shams. But he had come out with a, or he had said in some sort of a space or or you know green room, Spotify green room, something to that effect that. The culture problems in Houston weren't really Christian Wood. They were KPJ. And I think that was something that maybe set off some alarms because it's, it's not really true. They, the Rockets are fully aware of KPJ's issues. They're not hiding from that. I mean, he has some anger stuff. He's, you know, you, we all know about some of the, the issues he's had. He's never had issues with players. Like the players love him. And we see that. I mean, I think, matter of fact, that's 
one of the things, to be honest with you, that had kind of concerned me a little bit. Like, players love him so much. Is he is he the right influence for them? I mean, we see Paolo Bancaro with the Seattle connection probably wants to be here and play with KPJ because he grew up watching him or certainly as a teenager watching him and a bit of a legend in the area. So it's really not that. Uh, players just love it, love him, love his game, love to play with him. So I think that they were pushing back on that notion. And I think they want to, to have a really strong culture here. And we'll see how things go this year. It leads to me, me to really the next point, which is Eric Gordon. I mean, is, is he next, right? Because, you know, the Rockets said they had, you know, I, I know I was told that they had offers for first round picks at the deadline for in 2022 that would have been, you know, in the early 20s, um, I think some of those picks maybe were a little higher than they anticipated, but um, they didn't take those deals. And so here they are now, I'm assuming, looking for a 23, uh, 2023 or later first round pick, which is what they were hoping for at the deadline. What do you see here? I think the, the market for Eric Gordon is, in my opinion, different for Chris, than it was for Christian Wood, where teams didn't want a center um, they, you know, they had uh, definitely a, a down view of Christian Wood and Eric Gordon is a much different player. He's an older veteran, but he's a guy who can bring you three and D and fill a role on a contending team. No, absolutely. He, I mean, every team would would love to have an Eric Gordon. The problem is not every team wants to have Eric Gordon for twenty million dollars. Um, you know, part of me, I I see it both ways. You know, I think. There's less of his contract to pay, so maybe there's some benefit now in trading him versus last season. But at the same time, he was having such a good season last season, and that last half a season is kind of probably the best Eric Gordon you're going to get. And other teams probably realize that too. Um, so does that hurt his trade value going forward? Um, but, you know, as we saw now, if they were trying to trade Christian Wood this whole time and thought, okay, eventually someone's going to give up a late first-round pick, and here we have it. If they had made that Eric Gordon trade at the deadline, they'd be sitting on, uh, you know, two picks in the mid, you know, in the mid twenties. And then, you know, at that point, it's the law of diminishing returns. The, the, those picks are not going to be worth much to the team. They're probably going to have to make most of those picks and just have prospects rotting on the vine at the end of the bench or in the G League. So. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but at the same time, we ended up with the 26th pick for Christian Wood. So having another pick in the 20s, I don't think was going to materially help us. So it's it's really, to me, it's it's sort of no harm, no foul type of situation. But it's going to be really interesting to see if they're able to move him for a first-round pick or if other teams are just going to stand firm and say, this guy is, you know, the contract's not great. And we realize what he can do on the court, but he makes a little too much money and we're not willing to give up a first round pick for that. And, you know, it could be a could be a, a staring contest. You know, I got to tell you, first of all, there's a few teams that are just staring us in the face right now that that could could use him and could facilitate a deal. Most obvious by far, in my opinion, is I don't know if you're going to get it right, but Philly. Right. I mean, Philly's got the 23rd yeah. pick of this uh, of this draft. They've got Danny Green's contract, $10 million, that, you know, he's probably not even going to play next season, but they are likely going to try to pick that up to at least trade it. Um, and, you know, Matisse Thibel, uh, Furkan Korkmaz, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Th those kind of salaries might have to be back, and they're, they're definitely different because I think Korkmaz is, goes uh, an extra year. But that's 
probably the one that's staring me straight in the face because you know with James Harden there, Daryl Morey would love to add Eric Gordon. Yes, and the here's the problem though. The the two assets that the Rockets have a realistic chance at in Eric Gordon trade are either the 23rd pick in this draft, which they already have the 26th, they have the 17th. Is having the 23rd on top of those is that are they going to come away from this this week's draft with a materially better haul because they added the 23rd pick to what they already have? I don't know, and and that's really the only pick that Philly has to offer. They have outstanding obligations to Oklahoma City and, and Brooklyn that uh, that have a lot of their their future picks tied up. So this 23rd pick this week is really the the asset they have, and then the other one is Matisse Thybul, who, while he is a phenomenal defensive player, has been a zero on offense, has not really developed his offensive game. Um, Dave, I know you listen sometimes, but I like to listen to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Basically, a no offense, Dave, a much better version of what we do. Uh, for <laughs> yeah, the six no, no offense taken at all. Sure. <laughs> And they were throwing out some some random trade proposals, and and one was kind of similar to what you were just talking about, Dave. Um, Danny Green, Matisse Thibel, Furkan Korkmaz, no pick for Eric Gordon, with Thibel being the asset. Yeah. And I just with you got Josh Christopher, you got Jay Sean Tate. Maybe they take a defensive wing in the draft. Is having Matisse Thibel, who's going to need a, a new contract after this season, it, is that the best asset to be bringing in? So given all that, as much as I think Daryl would love to get Eric Gordon, I don't know if they have what we need Yeah. in return. Yeah, and, and you may be right. I, I was looking at it like, okay, if you take that pick, the 23rd pick, you have to do that with the knowledge that you can combine some of these picks to something else, right, or, or move them. Uh, you know, kick the can a la OKC and, and get a future pick for one of these picks because there's no chance they're they're going to use four picks. And matter of fact, I don't even think they're going to use three picks. The second straight draft, they're going in with three first-round picks. I, I am confident that they are aggressively pursuing either moving up in this draft, using 17 and 26, or moving out of the draft at 17 or 26 for a future pick, and, and we'll see if they'll be successful there. Uh, Philly's just the one that jumps off the page just because of the connection with Harden and, and Daryl and because they have a 23rd pick. But Philly, Philly, even then, Dave, are you willing to pay Danny Green $10 million to rehab from an ACL tear? Oh, I'm and willing to pay it, paying sure. Cork I mean, it's Miles not my five million, $5.5 million of your 2023 cap room just to get the 23rd pick when you already have the 26th? Wait a minute. Uh, wait, so, are you talking about for Fork, Fork on Cork Moss? Yeah. Yeah, so no, I'm, I, I'm not willing to do it with unuseful him. Unuseful money there. For Corkmaz, for I am not willing to do it. So to answer your question, I'm not even thrilled about the 23rd pick, to be totally honest with you. I, I, would, I think that if the Rockets can get a future pick, lottery protected, good, then you're good. Um, you know, and there are some, I, I mean, Sacramento has, has a pick. Toronto, Minnesota is a possibility. Uh, you've got Phoenix, of course. That's, that's jumping at you right there. It's tougher. A salary match is a little bit more tougher, but possible. Miami. Um, and you've got Brooklyn even. I mean, Brooklyn has Philly's unprotected pick next year. So that's at least somewhat interesting. Portland has the 2025 Milwaukee pick. That's top four protected. Just It's a one-shot deal. Um, 
I mean, Portland is the team I'd love to trade him to, mostly because they have a massive C.J. McCollum trade exception that Eric Gordon would fit into. So you could trade Eric Gordon to Portland and not take any salary back, trade him for a future pick, and have a $19.5 million trade exception. Refresh my memory on that because they have to go over the cap first before using that, right? Well, no, I mean, the, the they have the exception right now. They can do the trade on draft night uh, before the league year turns over. I when see. They I either see. they could once the once July one comes, the the Blazers can either stay over the cap or drop under uh, and and use cap room. My guess is if they have any interest in bringing back uh, Yusuf Nurkic, that they stay over the cap, keep that trade exception, keep the Nurkic cap hold on the books, and because because. They can use that trade exception basically like cap room as long as they can work a sign in trade or just if they do obviously if they do a regular trade. Um, so I mean Portland's in a very flexible position this summer, but if Damon if Damian Lillard is really pushing them to to compete next season, I mean Eric Gordon would be a nice fit for them. They they probably have their eyes set a little higher than Eric Gordon with that trade exception and and their picks, but. Um, you know, I, I see what you're saying. You know. uh, so let me ask you this. But if they if they do that now, it's still obviously eating into their cap room. I was somehow thinking maybe if they use cap room to sign players, the, the, that trade exception goes away. But I was thinking they would need to, you know, use their cap room and then still have that exception at the end where they could, absor- you know, go beyond the cap to take. Oh, that. no, no. It's either or. It's either okay. or. OK. OK. That makes more sense. Um, so a few other teams I'll throw out there. I mean, yeah, I agree. Portland is is, you know, right there. But I just wonder if they're looking at, you know, like you said, $19, $20 million of using that cap room on Gordon plus giving up an asset. Uh, it's a little bit – that's a little bit tougher, right? Because they probably are thinking to themselves, hey, we're completely saving you 19 to $20 million. We're not going to give you a first as well. Uh, I don't know. That's That, that may be tough. Uh, Memphis, they don't have a good salary match, but they've got the, the Warriors 2024 top four protected pick. Uh, Pelicans have the 24 Lakers pick. The Lakers, of course, have the future unprotected picks. I mean, not that they would trade unprotected, but they, they could be. Those three teams could definitely use Eric Gordon, uh, Memphis, New Orleans, and, and the Lakers. I, there's a ton of teams, in my opinion, that would want him. It's, it's Although not... is New Orleans going to want the PR hit of taking back Eric Gordon because uh, yes. the fans still seem to hate him from his last stint there. Yeah, and, and I said in a previous podcast with you that I would not want to send him there out of you know respect to Eric Gordon. We're now at a point where I need a first-round pick, so uh, respect might go out the window. You know? <laughs> but, I see you, your love for him only goes so far. <laughs> right. I mean, there's definitely a time limit on it. But, um, yeah, no, so I, there should be a lot of opportunities, in my opinion, to move him. Um and I think that they're, I think they're going to. I mean, they've talked about starting him and, and all this stuff, but they are going to. We saw it with Christian Wood. If they went a year waiting until they could get a first, they're going to wait till they get the right offer for Eric Gordon. I liked what Danny Laro had to say about Gordon. Is you know, teams may look at the the price tag and and think to themselves, it's you know, not great. But what's worse is not having that defensive three and D you know guy who can be wingy or play. Uh, out on the wing for you, and Gordon's going to be attractive. There just aren't enough players like him. Yeah, I mean, and, and unlike Wood, I don't think Eric Gordon detracts from the development of the other players. Yes, he is going to eat up minutes that could go to other guys, but at the same point, I think he's a relatively calming influence out there. 
And while you'd like to have a true small forward, if they go into the season with KPJ Green and Gordon as your three guard lineup in the starter starting lineup, it's not great, but it's not horrible either. Uh, I like what Eric Gordon does on the basketball court, even for this team. I've always been a big Gordon fan. And if worse comes to worse and they just play it out with him and then, you know, make a decision on him next June, as, you know, likely waiving him to open up cap room, um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I think he's a good vet and a good leader and leads by example. So it'd be nice to find him a home with a winner that also brings us back a first round pick. That's obviously my top preference, but I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. If you're just not getting offered a first round pick that doesn't involve you taking back huge long-term salaries, if you just play it out with him, not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And watch, let's see what happens. If Eric Gordon does get traded this off season, guys like KPJ, Jalen green, if they come out, and, and say something on social media, I think that might be a little telling. <laughs> that actually leads me to, hey, the draft, right? This is big for the Rockets. Let's let's go into the number number three pick, and it, it, that that kind of segues, you know, the social media thing into the number one pick of the draft, which Orlando Magic hold. Um, they had Jabari Smith in for a workout, and David, their social media team threw a parade. I mean, pictures, videos, interviews everything it was a big marketing uh package for jabari smith chet holmgren comes in apparently for for three days uh in orlando for the workouts and and and, you know measurements interviews all that stuff and not a peep from their social media team on chet what do you think about that do you think it's kind of a a lock that jabari is going to go number one i mean it's really interesting like i i'd almost discount it more if they just had a couple of little picks of of Holmgren there you can read it one of two ways one you know the the tinfoil hat version is that they really want Chet but um are just trying to keep it really hush hush maybe convince someone that wants Jabari to trade up um or and it's probably kind of the Occam's razor the simplest solution is the right one that uh they know Jabari's going to be the pick, and they just want to rile up their fan base excited about, the, hey, here comes the number one pick who we're going to get. Yeah. It is interesting to me. I'm kind of surprised by this. Um, I thought Chet would be the number one. Jabari's obviously number one on my board, so I'm not surprised that those are the two guys that get discussed the most in the top two picks. But I am um, surprised that right out of the gate after the lottery results with with supposedly your top three guys in this draft all being strong number one candidates, it was like immediate. Boom, number one's going to be this guy, number two's going to be this guy, number three's going to be this guy. And there's been some smoke, but there really hasn't been anything to phase that. I Some of the things I kind of predicted have not happened. I thought Shaden Sharp might get some top four buzz. That I mean, I guess it's still possible for Sacramento to get involved there, but that really hasn't happened. Um, I thought Ivy could maybe even crack the top three. I mean, there's been a little talk of OKC being interested in him. That really hasn't happened. I think, uh, well, I know the Rockets are, are hoping Paolo's there at three. Now, so that tells me at least Paolo isn't their number two on their board for whatever reason. Uh, I mean, however they rank him. But that's just the hunch and, and the feeling that I'm getting. I think he's going to be there. Um, we'll see what happens. I personally think Jabari would be ideal for the Rockets or even Chet over Paolo, but I understand the case 
that Paolo could be a special player too. Yeah, I mean, Chet's, Chet's my number one. Uh, Jabari's second and Paolo third. But again, I'm very happy they ended up with in the top three because Indeed. they're going to get a really good player no matter Indeed. what. Um, so I'm going to be happy with any of those three. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, the, the more I'm watching and no offense to the local Rockets Twitter sphere, I, I respect a lot of the pro Paolo opinions there, but I'm look, I'm weighing more heavily the, the national people talking about Paolo. They go, you know, Kevin O'Connor has him number one. John Hollinger has him number two. Um, you know, I think Sam Vecini, I think maybe had him third, but said, you know, he wouldn't be, you know, he might have taken him higher than third. Um, and I'm getting a little more excited about Paolo where if we end up not getting him, I think I'd be pleased because we're probably getting Cheddar Jabari, but. Part of me like, oh, oh, I was a little excited about that. I was kind of starting to come around on Paolo, and now it's not Paolo. I sense uh, the same vibe. I've seen that. I mean, there have been fans who are now, you know, I mean, a lot of it is just the math, the reality. This is our, These are our options, and you fall in love with the option that you have, right? I mean, but before the lottery results, it was like 50% Jabari, 26% Chet, 24% Paolo, and now people, I think, like you just said, might be a little disappointed if they don't get Paolo, so it's funny how that you know being falling to the third pick, if you want to call it falling, um, sort of you know changes your perspective on things. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, they're gonna even if the Rockets don't get the guy they hope for at three, they're gonna get somebody really good. What I found interesting and I did learn is that I think their cha- their plans could change based on who they get at three as soon as pick number seventeen. So. You may see a slightly different board how they rank these guys at 17 based on who they get at three because these three guys are really good, but they're, they are different players, all three. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, you with with Paolo, the the players you need to put around Paolo and Jalen are different than the players you'd have to put around Chet and Jalen or Jabari and Jalen just because you, you're going to get more defense from the other two than you are from Paolo. So it, you know, the, the emphasis on defense with your next pick may, may be a little stronger if you're taking Paolo three. So are you ready for my prediction here at 17? Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I can't wait. Dave. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm, I know you're excited. <laughs> um, I mean, I think they're getting Paolo at three. I think that's how the way it's going to unfold. It'll be interesting to see what rumors come out. If any of these teams throw out some last ditch, uh, attempts to get the Rockets to move up or OKC to move, move up or who knows. But I think Paolo's going to be the guy uh, in some capacity there at three, and I think they're going to do exactly what they did last year. You know, they pulled the California connection there with, with Jalen Green and Josh Christopher. They're going to take a Seattle guy. It's going to be high on their board to get Tari Eason or Marjan Bochamp at 17. Ooh. I mean, Tari Eason, obviously, I I like him a lot. Bochamp, I think, is is a nice player. I don't know if 17 is a tad high for him. Like if they got him at 26, that would be terrific. Um, you, I mean, you could be onto something. You know, we talk about team culture and things like that, and getting people you think are gonna that you know are gonna get along really well. You know, there there's definitely an added benefit there. I don't know if it's such an added benefit. I'd overdraft the guy by by that many spots, but. I mean, some people have mocked Bochamp in the, around the, the late teens, 20 area. 
But ugh, that's a little high for me at you, 17. But you could be right. You could I, be right. I, it's just giving me those vibes, right? I feel like this team's about the vibes. They're about the family and the culture. I mean, you know, as far as these guys all wanting to play together, they seem to place a value on that. If guys want to be in Houston, they they value that. Um, again, this is just pure theory and pure, uh, you know, guessing. But, you know, Christopher wasn't expected to go 24th either. I thought that was a little bit high based on mocks. And the mocks aren't always, you know, yeah, but indicative. I mean, in fairness, I mean, I think most mocks had had him no lower than the 30s uh, sure. for Christopher. A little high. I mean, I did not have him in 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 my first round, but I would have definitely, excuse me, <clears throat> I would have definitely taken him with an early second round pick on on draft night. But and look, he's proven both of us wrong. I think he's shown himself definitely worthy of a late first round pick selection based on what he did this year. Um, but also, I would say there's a difference, to me at least, between the 24th pick being the fourth of four first-round picks and the 17th pick being your second pick. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I, we'll see, right? I, I look at the three guys at the top of the draft and how that could possibly change because I kind of feel like the, the Rockets need a defensive wing regardless, right? But maybe Jabari, if you get Jabari, it's not as pressing of a need. I, I don't know. Um, but I still feel like... Those guys, those type of players are going to be attractive there. Is there anyone at 17 that, I mean, we could talk about trading up because I think the Rockets would love to talk, would love to move up if they can. But at 17, is there somebody that you really, really like or want to see here in Houston? I mean, so much depends on how the draft board plays out because on draft night, someone's going to fall. I mean, look, yeah, yeah. Shangun fell to 16 and uh, the Rockets didn't think he would be there that late. They even tried to trade up higher than that to get him. And when he fell all the way to 16, they had to jump. And unfortunately, they couldn't trade up in the draft. They had to use future picks. Uh, I think they ideally would have wanted to leave last draft with, with three first-round picks. But, um, you know, something something weird always happens on draft night. And um, someone's going to fall. Yeah. Uh, so, it. Mm. It's so hard to say when you're 17, such a funky place in the draft to be picking. Um, I mean, Tari Eason's great. Um, you know, you know, I've loved Mark Williams, but yes. I just don't think he's getting past Charlotte. But but given that given that idea about centers, do you think maybe Duran and and Williams could fall a little more than than we think? I mean, I could. It's possible that if a few teams pass on Duran. And he's there at 13. Williams that will be there Charlotte at jumps on him, and then they don't need Mark Williams, and maybe Mark Williams falls to 17. Like I, I love Mark Williams, so I would take him if he's there at 17. There's a lot uh, of Capella like good player. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, say so there's a lot of Clint Capella like qualities in Williams, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, a bigger Clint Capella. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. agree. Yeah, and he might um, be the guy that's there. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, Tari Eason, that's an interesting one. I think you and I were talking about this offline a few days ago. Jonathan Fagan had a very interesting uh, tidbit in his last uh, mock draft for the Chronicle. He made a comment that, you know, Tari Eason uh, is an interesting prospect, but if the Rockets view him as more of a true power forward than a wing, maybe they go for a, maybe they go for a wing, something like that. But the, my, the way I read into that was, you know, 
Jonathan Fagan has, you know, he, he knows a lot of inside things. So sometimes things make it into his articles that are based on things he might have heard from the Rockets. Sure. This is speculation on my part, but I read into that. Maybe the Rockets don't view Terry Eason as a, as a wing. And if they take Paolo at three and they view Terry Eason more as like he's a four, that's what he is. Maybe he's not as great a pick at 17 as we all think. Yeah, you make a good point there. I mean, it's just funny. You go, you take out some of those guys. You take out Eason. I think Diang is going to go higher than 17. I think Sohan's going to go higher than 17. I mean, Agbaji, is that the guy that you know? I mean, would they take a flyer That's on That's LBT's guy. That's LBT's guy. He <laughs> wants him at 17. <laughs> is, he, is he in love with the name, or do you watch him in the tournament? Oh, no, no, no. He watched him in the tournament. I, I think – uh, as so he has not done an extensive amount of scouting, but he saw plenty of Agbaji in the tournament and really liked what he. Yeah, I mean he he, he wants a three and D guy. He 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 and Agbaji will be a really good three and D guy. And if the if the Rockets do go three and D, I mean obviously Agbaji's there. Um, I just recently did a mock draft with a bunch of uh, analysts um, for Mavs draft. You know he runs one, and I got Agbaji at twenty six. Believe it or not, I don't think that'll happen, but I did get him at twenty six in that with that pick. Um, and I, you know, I, we'll see. I just, I don't know. For some reason it, it's, I like, I would like it at 17. He's on my, he's 16th currently on my board, which I probably need to edit a little bit here. Um, I just, I, there's just so many guys to get into that 10 to 14 range that you'd, you'd be thrilled with, uh, you know, Diang, Williams, Tari Eason, Sohan, Duran. Um, and it, you know, how can the Rockets, I, I really look at, I've looked at it every day. How, who could you get to? With picks 17 and 26. And I think 14 is very reasonable. Cleveland one has talked about moving out. I'm sure they would love to add two picks for the 14th. But is that really moving you? You know, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're getting a materially better player at 14 than 17. Like you'd have to be very confident that your higher tier of guys will all be gone at 17. But there's one of them you really like at 14 to want to make that move. Because absent that, I'd rather just keep keep the picks and add an extra player, even though it's not, you know, I don't know if we have room to play everybody. But, you know, you, you, you draft the best player available and, you know, maybe you hit on someone at 26 you didn't think you were going to hit on. Well, um, let me throw yeah. this to you, to you David. If, if Johnny Davis goes as high as we expect, right, because he's 15th on my board. I know he's higher than that on NBA boards. I mean, if. If the Rockets take him, I, I see the pros. It's just not filling that oh, huge take, need. Oh, I'd take Johnny Davis at 17. Y- yeah, so, I, so would I. A positional need, but if he's your third guard, that's hell yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you, but it's just not like you're, you're hoping to as well fill a need. And I agree with you. If he's 17, you take him there. But if he goes in the top 15, that to me, there's 15 guys. You know, ex- I'm excluding Davis. You, that you'd love. I mean, you've got the whole the ten that I think are pretty standard. Sometimes Sohan is up there, but you've got you know Jabari, Chet, Ivy, Bancaro. I mean, Bancaro's at least third in that in that list. Then you've got Dyson Daniels, Keegan Murray, Sharp, Griffin, Matherin, Duran. That takes you to ten. Then you get into that eleven to fifteen range. If Davis is up there, you've got Sohan, Eason, Williams, Diang. At least on my board. Uh, it's, the Rockets are just a, a pick or two out. I mean, you've still got guys like Agbaji, Jaden Hardy, Bochamp, um, Jalen Williams, who the Rockets didn't even work out, to my surprise, um, Ty Ty Washington. There's some interesting names there, but I do honestly feel like if the Rockets get to 14, they are going to be in a, a, 
a significantly better position than 17. But is it worth giving up an entire late first round pick to, to move up in the middle of the first just three spots? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. Maybe they throw in a future second round pick or something like that. And they do have 39. Um, they have number 39 this year. Oh, yeah, there you go. But, yeah. I mean, I'd almost rather have it be a future pick. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you on that. But uh, especially because there's only 58 picks, so the the crop of undrafted talent's going to you know maybe be a little bit, but there'll be a couple extra guys out there to sign as undrafted free agents. But um, man, uh, it's a good question. I mean, obviously the Rockets are doing their homework. Uh, they're they're you know working day and night, getting ready for this draft and and covering you know as many scenarios as they can, but. I mean, it really is a tough one. If you can get up into the 10-11 range, yeah, do it. But, yeah, if it's just two or three spots, ugh, that's a tough one. Uh, it's Again, they'd have to really love someone who's on the board at 14 who they are very confident will not be there at 17 for me to want to trade two first-rounders to move up and not get another asset. Well, let me read. So, obviously, the fourth pick is – available right it's too expensive for the rockets they can't get there yeah. seven probably too expensive as well just just being well, that what would you be willing to give up because i mean i've thrown out there like eric gordon 17 and 26 for seven um, i mean uh, I, I would do it, that in a heartbeat you view eric gordon as worthy of a late second round pick that's essentially you're trading three three First round picks. It's a big seven. jump, though. It's a big jump, and they are taking that into cap room, right? So it's like, right. I mean, would you throw in the Milwaukee pick on top of all that stuff? Man, I, I mean, I might, I might. Well, I, I, I like Dyson Daniels pick? enough. I like Dyson Daniels enough to take him there. I, I, who would you take at seven? Um, I mean, Dyson Daniels, Ben Matherin, maybe Keegan um, if he falls. I don't think. He I mean, falls. Oh, if Keegan falls, I'd jump up. Well. That's the problem is Keegan and Paolo basically play the same position. I love Keegan Murray. If the Rockets had ended up losing the lottery and being stuck at five, I would I would have been – and assuming Ivy's off the board at four, I would have actually – I'd take Keegan Murray over Shaden Sharp. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I look at seven and Daniels jumps off the page. If Murray was there, it would be different. But I like Griffin. I like Matherin. I like Duran. They're all – I mean – all those guys. But, you know, you talk about 10. You, you, you want to know the irony of it? If, if we got up to seven and, uh, you know, Murray's off the board or whatever, I, I'd consider trading down. <laughs> <laughs> Are you yeah, that, that would be That would be rich. Well, I mean, no, 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 but you trade up to seven and maybe trade down to 10. I think Daniels is going to be a, a very good player in the league. I, I really do. I think he's going to be a smart, strong leader type. Um, finding Nima, actually, it's finding N-E-E-M-A on Twitter, wrote a great article. He's actually done work with the G League and has followed Dyson Daniels all season. Um, wrote a really, basically, he would call it a dissertation, a, a great article on Dyson Daniels and really breaks down. He grew three inches in the past year. Um, six, seven, six, eight now. Great point of attack defender. Really good floater game. His shot is coming around and it showed improvement um, through the year. Um, I think this has this guy has the potential to be. I don't know about a primary ball handler, but he could play a point guard role against a a guy who is going to have the ball a lot. And if the Rockets have Paolo and and Jalen Green, they're going to have some players with the ball a lot. 
I think he's going to be a really a, a really good connector piece for any team that could play defense on players from one to three. A guy you would throw out there on a on a Steph Curry type. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if he gets past New Orleans at eight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You have to get to seven if you want him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, let, let, let's keep going. You, yeah, New I mean, Orleans so, at eight. You, 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 I don't know if they got a lot of pieces. I don't think they, they want more first-round picks. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I don't look at them or even the Spurs, even though I've, I've talked to some very knowledgeable Spurs fans who seem to think trading down is an option. I don't understand it. But Washington, I mean, but they got nine, twenty, and twenty-five. Like trading down, what you know? I don't how many guys are they going to roster? I don't get it either. I really don't. So I, I do look at Washington and the Knicks. I mean, yep. the Knicks make sense to me, right? Especially if Eric Gordon's involved. Tom Thibodeau would, would would he rather have Eric Gordon than? I mean, I don't know how highly they place a value on Nerlens Noel, but you got Noel, Kemba Walker, who he doesn't even want to play, and you know Eric Gordon's going to fill his role. He wants to make the playoffs. And frankly, the Rockets should be trying to boost some of these teams that didn't make the playoffs in the East. They want some of the East teams to, to slip, you know, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. So, you know, I don't know. That That's somewhat intriguing to me. I so, just so you're, you're talking you're talking Eric Gordon, 17 and 26 for Nerlens Noel, Kemba Walker and 11. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's the, the offer that came to my mind. I, it's, it's hard to gauge, though, if they consider Nerlens Noel to be positive trade value or just the filler. And if I mean, I think especially with Mitchell Robinson hitting free agency, I would get – I mean, Nerlens Noel had a lot of injuries this year, but my guess is they probably view him as a net positive. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're they're aggressively looking to dump his contract or anything. That to me, though, David, I mean, let's, I, mean I know you're going to take Paolo. I don't know if you consider Sohan and Paolo to be, uh, you know, overlap, but I think Sohan's going to be there, Eason – um, you might even AJ Griffin. AJ yeah, Griffin might be there. He might be exactly. He, you know, I got him an eighth on my board, but I, I think he could slide. One of those guys in the in the five to ten range could slide. So, uh, you know, to me, uh, I would love to make that move. And if they do, if they came away, moved all those picks and Gordon, and came away with the third pick and the eleventh pick in this case, what, what a great draft, right? Assuming they make some solid picks, um, it would be another, in my opinion, big win for Rafael Stone. Well, now, let, let, well, I, one more guy I want to bring up at 17 that, again, I've tweeted about him, and I don't think he's getting as much love as he probably should, probably because of positional fit, but Ty Ty Washington, I don't know why people aren't at least talking about him a little more. Um, just great all-around guard. These Kentucky guards seem to do better in the NBA than they do at Kentucky. Um, can play both backcourt spots. The Rockets want versatility. He's 6'4", so he's got enough size. Uh, is a decent defender, decent shooter, pretty good passer. And, you know, again, I'm not sold on the Deshaun Nix is a lottery pick in the Rockets' minds propaganda. Uh, you know, no offense. I know you had that conversation with Jonathan Fagan, and, you know, that's terri- that was a really nice bit of news, but I'm skeptical. I, I really hope Deshaun Nix works out. Uh, I thought he was a great addition, but – I just I'm very skeptical of that either being true or accurate or that uh, that that he he's going to perform to that kind of level. Whereas I'm much more confident in someone like Ty Ty Washington. But I get those that don't want to they don't want a true guard there. But you know if you're going for the best player available and he's not going to hurt you in certain areas, 
Um, you know, I don't see why he isn't on the board there with the rest of those guys. So I've watched a lot of Ty Ty. My gathering is he's not like the most athletic guy, not doesn't really put the most rim pressure on there, but he can defend, he can shoot, he can he sees the floor, he can pass. Um, I mean, I, I think it would be a good pick. Uh, I don't know if he could fall to 26. I, I think he'll go before that. But um, Oh, yeah, he's off the board by 26, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so, But, yeah, I, he's in my top 20. I've got him 20th, and he's in the bottom of, of a fourth grouping. So I wouldn't be upset if they took him 17. I just, it, you know, as far as need, I think it's a good hedge. It's a good, be, uh, you know, insurance, if you will, for KPJ because you don't know what that's going to be like in a year. But that wouldn't be bad. EJ Liddell is another guy. Malachi Branham, those two guys, both from Ohio State. Uh, Branham may go before 17. There's a lot of buzz about that. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind it at all. I think he's a good prospect. Wouldn't mind if he was in the Rockets, but certainly not the the biggest need. That might be something that um, you know could help the Rockets push somebody down. Yeah, no, Liddell, I like. Um... You know, he's probably going to go somewhere in between 17 and 26, is my guess. Reminds me a little bit of um, kind of uh, in his prime Paul Millsap, mm. where, you know, Millsap came into the league just this ferocious rebounder, but eventually developed a, you know, three-point shot and kind of had an all-around game. Now, if, he, if EJ Liddell approaches prime Paul Millsap, you snap him up at 17, no question. <laughs> sure, but, sure. Uh, but it kind of reminds me of that kind of short player but very versatile. So the Rockets, I know their their goal here is to come away with two picks, right? Move up or move out. That's that's the goal here. But if they stay at 17 and 26, is there somebody at 26 that you're like, yeah, you know, I mean, like a, a Kendall Brown, Blake Wesley, even a, a Patrick Baldwin Jr. or Walker Kessler? Is there somebody you're looking at there? You're like, you know, that would be nice. Maybe get grab the center you're looking for back up or or some other position. So one guy I like, and I'd consider him at 17 because I have him that high on my board is Dalen Terry from Arizona. Okay. Um, I love this kid. 6'7". I think he's got a 7'1 wingspan. Not the greatest shooter, but he was one of their primary initiators on offense for a great, a loaded Arizona team with tons of scorers. He only, I, I know he scored single digits per game for Arizona, but they didn't need him. They had, they had a bunch of guys that put up buckets um, on that Arizona team but plays great defense, is a really good passer, a glue guy, a culture setter, you know, never shuts up on the court in a good way. Um, I, I, w- I think he's a winning player. I would love to get him. You know, it's interesting. At 26, the Rockets are going to be picking just before Miami, before Golden State, before Memphis, and then Denver acquired that final um, pick. You know, the Rockets might be able to scoop up somebody that a contender is looking for. I, you know, we'll see. But, like, you know, Jaden Hardy is a guy. I, I think he'll be gone before then. But if he's there, I, again, I think he's the farthest thing from a fit. But I, I would snag him just on potential alone. There's a lot of things I like that, about that. That is a very strong swing that's either going to be, you know, a, a, just a monster hit or just a brutal strikeout, in my opinion. Yeah, he's my Harold Miner this year for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, uh, that's a, a guy I wouldn't, you know, if you, if you ended up taking somebody like that, I mean, you know, something like that could end up looking insane that you got a, a, a very strong guard for Christian Wood in a couple years when you look back. So 
Um, we'll see. This is going to be – it's going to be a fun draft, man. I, we're, of course, we're having the Beam of Thug draft party. Very exclusive. I somehow get my invite every year. I don't know how I don't burn – um, oh, you know, we forgot to take you off the list this year, so <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I guess I, we have to honor the invitation. It's on auto send, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it, and th- thanks for you know hosting it. We have fun. You know, I actually wouldn't even mind if we if we sent. I mean, just a, an idea, but like, no, nobody looks at Twitter. We're just gonna actually watch TV because I tell you what, I, I it's fun both ways. But man, I miss the days where we just watched the draft, and the you know when they said the name, you're all like, no way. You know, Woj and Shams now like are are leaking picks two, three times. You know, before the the pick is made, like they're they're on pick number two on TV and they're telling you what the fifth pick is. It's crazy. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be fun this year to see see everything as it goes out. As the Rockets have three firsts, and uh, we're going to have fun with it. It, it it's going to be fun. I cannot wait. David, thanks for doing this, man. I, I know we'll probably uh, do another pot after the draft and leading into free agency, which is definitely another uh, part of your wheelhouse. But uh, appreciate you doing this, and uh, we'll see. I'll see you on Thursday. All right, looking forward to it, Dave.